I'm going to pray, and then we'll get into the Word. God, we thank you for your Word. We thank you. We thank you, Jesus, for what you did. I mean, just when I read the Gospels, it just blows my mind. Holy Spirit tonight to walk out the calling which you've placed on us that we have received by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Who remembers the name of the series we're in right now? Yes, Shay, what you got? The greatest, that's right. It's arguably the greatest series. <laughs> no? Nobody laughed? Come on. You guys are... Everybody needs to stand up and do like two jumping jacks, all right? You guys are like so tired. There you go. Some of you are like, what's well, a jumping jack? <laughs> Anyways. Yes, it's the greatest. That's the name of the series. There's many spots in scripture where it talks about the greatest of something. Lately, we have been unpacking the greatest commandment. So you guys remember what that is? I'm just going to read it for you guys. How's that sound? So, yes, we, we talked about the first week of this, which I believe was the first Wednesday of this month, which is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart. I'll just put it up there. Matthew 22, Gregory, you got it ready? 22, 36 through 40. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? This was a religious leader that asked this. He was an expert on the law. And Jesus replied, read this part with me. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. He didn't move it to the next one. <laughs> That's found in Matthew, and it's also found in Luke, and I also believe it's found in Mark. Um, John doesn't mention it. I don't know why, but he just doesn't. <laughs> He took a different approach to Jesus' life, which was very, very much important to share. But here's the thing I think gets looked over a lot with this verse. It's two words, equally important. Think about that. Loving God, the creator of the universe, is just as important as loving the person next to you. That's wild. God doesn't just tell us to do it and say it's equally as important, but it's equally as important to him that we do it. Loving your neighbor, and that doesn't mean you get up and move your seat so you can change the neighbor. <laughs> right? Some of you are like, hmm, I think I better move and change my seat. No, your neighbor's who? Who do you guys think your neighbor is? It's everybody. I imagine the religious leader went up to Jesus this way because here's how it gets spelled out in, in Luke. Luke shares it a little bit differently in his gospel. He has the religious leader actually say what the commandments were. In this, it, it, Matthew records it as Jesus saying, here's the most important. But in Luke's account, Jesus actually asked the question, well, how do you read it? How do you read the law? You're such an expert on it. 
what is it? And the guy actually answers it right. He says, well, it's to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you're right. Go ahead and go do it. <laughs> and I, w- I would imagine that Jesus started to turn around and walk away, and the guy goes, well, who's my neighbor? Huh? Who is that? I mean, you don't really expect me to love everybody, do you? There are some people that are just really, really impossible to love. <laughs> Hitler. I mean, you just put whoever out there you want. Whatever name. I mean, when I say this, you guys are probably thinking of somebody. Whether it's somebody you actually know or somebody you don't, like Hitler. (laughs) But I would imagine this guy goes, I mean, you really don't expect me to love everybody like myself, do you? Treat everybody as if they're me? I mean, I'm pretty awesome. I mean, he was a religious ruler. I mean, he he was a big shot. Here's the thing. I think there's two big questions to answer tonight in regards to this passage. Because we're going to be talking about loving your neighbor, which I think is often a lot more difficult than loving God. Because there were six commandments out of the ten about it, and there were four about loving God. God knew it was more difficult to love people because people can be the worst sometimes, right? Question number one, I think, is who is my neighbor? You guys already pretty much answered it. It's found in Luke's account. Here's what Jesus does in response. Instead of just telling the guy, he gets him to come to the conclusion himself. That's a good leader. So he shares a parable, and you guys have probably heard it before. I'm going to go through it pretty quickly here. It's in Luke chapter 10, verse 30 through 37, and this is in the New Living Translation. So Jesus replies to him after he says, well, who's my neighbor? And he just goes into a story. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. That's a bad day, right? By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed by him. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him and... The Samaritans soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged him. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Doesn't even say the Samaritan. (laughs) He's like, the merciful one. And so what does Jesus say? Yes. That's right. Now you go and do the same. He gets him to utter the words himself. Who do you think was the good one? He goes, the good one. (laughs) For him to say Samaritan was just so painful, I feel. 
that he wasn't even willing to do it. Because you need to understand something with this. The people of Israel despised Samaria. They despised the people of Samaria, Samaritans. They saw them as trash. I don't even know if they hated them more or less than the Romans. They just, for some reason, the Jews were really good at hating people. (laughs) The very people of Israel hated the Samaritans. They just did. They saw them. You need to get a little bit of an understanding of why they hated them so much. There is a history there that I think, I know for myself, I didn't know it at your guys' age, so I'm going to share a little bit with you guys. They, you can see this, I'll, I'll bring up the scripture. In 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 6 through 7, you get to see this history between them. They hated each other for hundreds of years, guys. This is, this is important to, there's a huge feud that went for generations. Do you guys even know how old our country is? The United States of America. Wrong. Most Americans think that. (laughs) How old do you guys think America is? Yes, it is older than you. Obviously. (laughs) It's 244 years old. It's not even 250. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Like, that's really not that long in comparison to other countries. I mean... The nation of China has been around for millennia, thousands of years. Egypt, I mean, we read about Egypt in history in the Bible, and it goes back to like 6,000 years ago. They had a feud for hundreds of years. I think it was like over 500. It was a long time. Long time that this went on for. And here's where it actually ends up coming from. It's found in the Bible. 2 Kings 17, 6 and 7. It says, in the ninth year, and I'm going to butcher these names probably, Hoshea, the king of Assyria, captured Samaria. Now, Samaria was a city in the nation of Israel. Okay? You think of the nation of Israel, you probably don't, you can't picture it in your head unless you know it geographically. This nation had a city in the same way Butte is a city in America. They had a city named Samaria. And it was the capital at the time. Okay? Assyria was a nation, came in, captured them. And and deported the Israelites to Assyria. So they took a bunch of people from there, took them captive, and brought them back to Assyria, their own nation. Okay? He settled them in Hala, in Gozen, on the Harbor River, and in the towns of the Medes. All this took place because the Israelites had what? It's sin. Sin against the Lord their God, who had brought them out of Egypt from under the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. They worshipped other gods. You guys remember what the first commandment is? Love the Lord your God first, right? No other gods before me. And what does it say right here? (laughs) They did not do that. So here's what ends up happening. The people there 
Those Because they didn't take all of them captive. They took some of them. They in, get intermarried with the Assyrians there. They intermingle in relationship with the people that they weren't supposed to. So then their gods come in and they end up taking some of their gods to be their gods too. Which is also a big no-no, right? So the n- nation of Israel was responsible and brought their own worst enemy into their life. (laughs) So they're angry at a people known as Samaria, the Samaritans, when they were responsible for it. They came in there because of their actions, right? Very people Israel hated was because of their own failure. They despised the Samaritans, yet they existed because of their own sin. They literally created their own worst enemy. (laughs) And Jesus says, what? Love your neighbor. And then he places the word neighbor with Samaritan. Basically, that's what he did. Now I can imagine that the disciples are hearing this. And this was just unbelievable for Jesus to do, to say this, for them to behave this way. How am I supposed to love people? Who am I supposed to love? Your neighbor. Well, who's my neighbor? The people you hate. (laughs) That's basically what Jesus was saying. I can imagine the disciples saying, who lives like that? Right? You guys ask that question ever? How can somebody actually live that way? And God's saying, I do. (laughs) I love you, don't I? (laughs) I mean, really. I love you even when you don't love me back. And that's the standard we're supposed to live by. What? I believe it. You guys got to put your phones on silent. Oh, boy. I don't think this problem happened like this last week. (laughs) Yeah, that works. That's what God was saying. I do. I live like that. Jesus ended up doing that. In fact, him even coming to earth was proof of that. Because he left heaven to be with us. To make a way for us to be with him. This part of the greatest commandment is found in the Old Testament. That's actually where it's quoted from. In the same way that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind is quoted from the Old Testament. It's part of the 613 commands that I told you guys about that one time. Remember when I got that long list of commands that I threw out? Big, huge, long list and went all the way to the stage. It's 40 pages, yeah. It was a lot. (laughs) It's one of those 613 commands. Now here's the second question I feel like needs to be asked that I'll answer for you guys is, what does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? What does that look like? I mean, because you can love people, right? We all love somebody. I don't mean romantically, okay? (laughs) But loving people, it's an action. It's how you behave towards somebody. It's showing them care and attention, right? In the same way the Samaritan showed attention and care to the man lying half dead on the side of the road when the other his own people, who were the religious leaders, 
passed him by and ignored him, like intentionally. Here's where the verse comes from. Leviticus 19.18, New Living Translation. It says, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. What is this all about? The example that's in the Old Testament of showing love is what? It's forgiving people. It's not holding a grudge against somebody. Holding somebody's sins against them. It's not seeking after revenge when somebody's hurt you, when somebody's harmed you, that you look to get back at them. That's the difference. That's where the bar changes. Jesus came in and said, do not get back. I mean, the whole story of the Good Samaritan is an example of you hate them, but I tell you to love them. They hate you, I tell you to love them, even when they despise you. And the ones that despise you, if they love you back, that really shows who's the better person, right? <laughs> because the, the Samaritans, they were so seen as just the rejects of the Jews. They hated them so much that they would go all the way around them to get to the other side where they were going. They would go all the way around the city, all the way around the, the area of Samaria. <laughs> like, that's real intentional avoidance, right? I mean, it would add a lot to their trip. I mean, they were walking <laughs> everywhere they went. This verse here, it's all about holding a grudge against somebody. I'm sure there's somebody here who's doing it now. And it's, you're getting uncomfortable. <laughs> but it's God's love for you that this is happening today. I could dig deep into what it means to love your neighbor as yourself, but really I think this is the number one thing God wants to speak to you guys tonight. Holding grudges holding grudges in a sense that you're, you're planned how you want to get back at the person. It's gotten that bad. Here's a warning. Don't do it. It's not worth it. There's a verse, and I didn't even have this in my notes. What's, what's it worth to gain the whole world but lose your soul? And I think that's the, the idea the enemy tries to convince people of that want to give in to revenge. You're going to gain it all. <laughs> You're going to get everything back that you lost if you do this. And even if you did, which you won't, <laughs> what's it worth to you to lose yourself in the process? There's, it's, it's no good. Now, I'm just going to say it. I feel like that's what Putin's doing. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> Not worth it. If you don't know who Putin is, you're living under a rock. You might be thinking, yeah, I'll love my neighbor all right. I love them until they do me wrong. That's where I draw the line. When they mess with me or they mess with my family, I'm going to get them back. When they stab my back, I'll stab theirs back. 
You don't mess with me. I mean, that's the mentality we have in this own city, right? Butte tough. You mess with me, I'll mess with you. Butte against everybody, right? Why do we have to be verse anyway? <laughs> you might be thinking, I have a right to it. Here's the thing. If you're a follower of Jesus, you don't. You simply don't. You lay your rights down and you say, God, I'm yours. And he says, all right. I'm just going to tell you now, you got a lot of people you got to forgive. <laughs> as well as you got a lot of people you need to go to and ask forgiveness of. <laughs> Look at this very scary verse in Romans. This is a verse I feel applies very much to the Jews at the time with their hatred towards the Samaritans in light of the history that I shared with you from the Bible. Romans 2, verse 1 through 4, New Living Translation, says, You may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad, and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself, for you who judge others do these very same things. And we know that God in his justice will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin. Holding grudges, I'm just going to say it, it's sin. Flat out, it is. And when you know that you need to let something go and you continue to hold on to it, that's when it really starts to grab hold of you. It's because... You've held on to something for a while, maybe unintentionally, but when it becomes intentional, it gets really dark. It starts to overtake your life. It starts to consume you. Guys, and I'm just here to tell you, you do not want that. It's not worth it. Why gain the whole world and lose your soul? Scripture tells us, that with the same measure given to us, it will be given back to us. That's what I think this is really about. Because it has a lot of scary language of judgment. And if you judge people, you'll be judged back too. But Jesus said, you will be measured the same way you measure others. Which means, you show mercy, you'll be given mercy. You show grace, you'll be given grace. You show love, love's going to be returned back to you. Some of you here might be wondering, why is my life so hard? <laughs> why do I have to deal with so many trashy people ruining my life all the time? I think this really applies to it. <laughs> you want to have greatness in your life? Raise your bar <laughs> of what you do. <laughs> of how you live, and you'll see the atmosphere change around you. You'll see your work environment change if you have jobs. You'll see your school start to change. If everybody lived like the Good Samaritan, 
man, how awesome would that be? (laughs) How amazing would our world be if the whole world lived like that? Throwing aside grudges, throwing aside spouts of wanting revenge, and just saying, I love you, and I'm going to take care of you the same way I would want myself to be taken care of. Right? If you want mercy, then you better give it. If you want grace, you better show it. But if you don't, why would you ever expect to receive it? That is loving your neighbor as yourself. That's what it looks like. Jesus talked about loving people when it's hard a lot. I think one point he really laid it out, though. In Luke 6, verse 32 through 36, it says, If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Wow, really good. (laughs) I mean, that's like what Jesus is saying. And you could take the Samaritans and say, if that's what you really think love is, the Samaritans do that. The Romans do that, who you also hate. What good is that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only There it is. I don't know what happened there. I'll read that part again. The devil doesn't want to hear it. (laughs) If you do only good to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. If you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your what? Enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. This is that I did it. I live like this. God says, I am good to those who are unthankful, unkind, and wicked. You must be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. That goes beyond just doing nice things to people, or not doing mean things to people. I I think the Jews were like, I'm not being mean to the Samaritans, I just ignore them entirely. I never have a chance to do stuff to them because I refuse to ever be around them. Well, yeah, and you don't have a chance to do good to them either. It goes beyond just doing or not doing. You can talk trash about people as well, right? (laughs) We go to James chapter 4, verse 11 through 12. He says, don't speak evil against each other. Dear brothers and sisters, if you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. 
God alone who gave the law is the judge. Amen to that. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? Some of you are really good at looking good and talking well in the right moments, but in your own time or with your own friends, you're gossiping, you're criticizing, you're judging people all the time. It's not the way we're supposed to live. That's not loving your neighbor. You guys think in Jesus' prayer time, that's what he was doing? <laughs> Lord, help me just really live with these horrible people. They suck so bad. <laughs> I know you know how badly they are. Really, God, I need your help to not punch him in the face. <laughs> Or even just having, I mean, he didn't have this gossip fest with his disciples. In fact, he shut it down when he heard it. The disciples would get angry at each other. Did you know that? And he would just, short response, shut it down. Loving your neighbor means not gossiping as well as shutting it down when you hear it. Some of you guys are around it, and you're maybe not doing it yourself. Because you're not doing anything to stop it. Why not? Loving that person that's being criticized is shutting it down when you hear it. Gossip is a huge problem in the world. Especially, I mean, I was in high school too. At one point. <laughs> not anymore. But guys, it's, it's not new to the world. Excuse you. <laughs> As Shrek would say, better out than in, right? <laughs> Classic. There are people in my life I wish I had been nicer to when I was younger. My siblings were one of them. Specifically my younger sister. There's people that I showed mercy to as well on the other side that I showed mercy to. That was after I started to show mercy towards my sister and love her the way I should. She showed it to me, too. I wasn't perfect. <laughs> there were times I showed mercy to people when, when they didn't deserve it, too. And the life now I see is a fruit of continual living that way. The measure of it started to happen. You might not see it immediately. When you start to show mercy and grace and love in the way of not speaking ill of each other, not tearing people down, I don't care what they did to you. People suck sometimes, I get it. And they can hurt you. But if you want people to treat you that way, nicely, and not speak behind your back, then stop it yourself. The life later on became a fruit of I measured mercy and grace and love to people. Eventually, that was the measure returned to me. That's how people ended up treating me. You guys here in the world all the time, that's just karma. When somebody gets what they deserve, right? 
That's not the Bible. We shouldn't have that perspective. In fact, a man who didn't was David when the man who tried to kill him on several occasions died. He wept over it. Not because he was happy. <laughs> he grieved his heart. And it hurt him when he heard about it. And his own best friend, who was the son of the guy, ended up dying too. And what he said about the man who tried to kill him was way longer. <laughs> Think about that. How can you expect anyone to treat you well if you end up being ungracious towards them and merciless towards others? Here's the real way we are to get revenge. And this is where I'm going to close it. Romans 12, verse 17 through 21. This is a really, really powerful passage and worth reading regularly. Oftentimes, this is the part, it's the last section of the chapter that's labeled marks of a true Christian, the way that a believer is supposed to live, what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. Starting at verse 17, it says, Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Well, getting revenge is not honorable. That's vengeful. It's not what an honorable person does. If it was true, then Jesus would have done it. Never pay back evil for evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Well, that's hard to do, right? <laughs> but if you're not at peace with somebody and you've done all you can do, it's not on you anymore. You do everything you can do, though. Whatever it takes to live at peace, you do what you can. And after that, the ball's in their court. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. This is coming from a man who on several occasions was nearly stoned to death by people. <laughs> on several occasions, he was thrown in jail unrighteously for no good reason. On several occasions, he was whipped. <laughs> and he's saying these things. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Meaning, it's not your job. It's not your responsibility. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, what? Sounds like the Good Samaritan, right? If they are thirsty, what? Give them something to drink. Sounds like the Good Samaritan. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. I love the way that Paul finishes it. You want revenge? You want to get them back? You have this burning rage inside of you where you just want to Keep burning coals on them. I'm just going to say it. That's, that's messed up. <laughs> right? Do you want to do that? Then be good to them. <laughs> what? <laughs> Would
wouldn't you rather they come to understanding of their actions being terrible and that they would want to stop them? The way that happens is you're good to them. You show them the love of God, and it can change the hardest heart. It can make an enemy into a friend. One way to conquer evil, and I I felt like I just needed to say this. This is what I'm going to end with. No more scriptures I'm sharing. One way to conquer evil by doing good is owning up to your mistakes with people. Some of you guys, you're the one that's been wronged a lot. And you just, as hard as it is, you got to walk in forgiveness. And not seek revenge and not hold a grudge against somebody. But some of you here, you're the one that's like, man, I would understand if people had grudges against me. (laughs) I would understand if people were plotting revenge against me. And you need to just be the person that says, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I was a terrible person. It may be scary to do, but I'm telling you now, it's going to bring so much freedom into your life. It's going to release you from such shame and bondage. Because this is what needs to happen. He lives out an example of being forgiving. And then the shame's going to be dumped on their heads. They'll either run, hopefully not, or they'll come to you and say, I don't understand why you're so good to me. I've been a terrible person to you. <laughs> I need you to forgive me. I am so sorry for the way I've treated you. And that's the opportunity to be forgiving. To hold forgiveness in somebody when they've wronged you. This is not easy to do. That's why Jesus talked about it so much. Because <laughs> it's hard to do difficult to live a life like this. But guys, if you start to get a hold of it now, your life's going to be so much better later. <laughs> you don't want bitterness to take root so far that it is really difficult to get rid of. Some of you guys are really holding grudges against people. Maybe your parents, siblings, ex-best friends ex-boyfriend or girlfriend. (laughs) And there's people you've been holding grudges against for a long time. Let them go today. Let's stand up. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get into groups. Let's have the leaders come up here into their paired groups. And I've just got two questions for you guys tonight, and I want you to think about I'm going to say them now. Question one, are, you, are there people you need to ask forgiveness for? Forgiveness of by not loving them as yourself. Not loving them the way Jesus said, love your neighbor. And he shared the story of the Good Samaritan. And number two, is there a grudge you've been holding on to that you need to get rid of? Two very important things that the, the enemy really wants you to hold on to. 
He wants you to be merciless. He doesn't want you to get mercy back. That's why. He loves it when we're merciless to each other and we show no mercy and grace. So I'm going to pray. God, Lord, I just pray that if there's anybody here that this message really hit them between the eyes. God, I, I pray that you would give them the boldness, the strength, the courage to come clean with this stuff that they've been holding on to and to go to the people that they've wronged, that they have not genuinely asked forgiveness of, to say that they're sorry. God, I pray that we would be a people that loves our neighbor as ourselves, knowing that that love can change the hardest of hearts. Jesus, you said the love of many will grow cold due to wickedness in the world, but that's not how we're to live. We're not supposed to let the wickedness in the world get to us. We're not supposed to be a people that walks in wickedness towards one another, but that we are to love one another, not take revenge, leave that to you, and love our enemies. Lord, help us to do this. We need your Holy Spirit to do it. We cannot do it without you. Jesus name.